let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you for the privilege we have to gather to study your word tonight. We trust you that you will teach us by your spirit. Cause your word to have entrance into every hearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are continuing to emphasize on the gift of righteousness because from next week, by the grace of God, uh, we'll go on to another gift. So we need to round it up uh, today uh, because it's a very important topic that every Christian must be convinced about that can assure you that the devil attacks it all the time. Because if you compromise your sense of righteousness, your faith goes. If you compromise your sense of righteousness at any point and in any situation, fear grabs you. He knows that. So it's not something you know once. Sometimes over time we forget and he sneaks in. And he wants to move our basis of confidence from Christ to us. And if it's us, we are sinking sand. We are sinking sand. The only foundation that can hold your faith is Christ himself. So that's why this topic is very important. You never, never aggro the devil trying to compromise your sense of righteousness. Never. Because he knows it's a critical point that if he dislodges the Christian there, he pulls him out of his faith. I don't mean you backslide, but you won't have, your faith will just be compromised along with it. Now, uh, today we're talking about the Lord, my righteousness. Jehovah Sikinu. Jehovah Sikinu. The prophet said that in the last days, in the days of Jesus Christ, that the confession of us, us, we Christians, will be the Lord, our righteousness. He will be our righteousness. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, Behold, the days come, <clears throat> said the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. That's Christ. And the king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Verse 6. In his days, Judah shall be saved, Israel shall dwell safely, and this is this is his name, whereby shall be, he shall be called the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sikin. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord Jesus will be called, the branch of David, the king, king who is of the offshoot of David. Say in his days, which is these days, in his days, he shall be known as the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Shekinu. But you know there are people who will reject it. So, so many people do in this day and time. They justify themselves that they are righteous by their own works and are working hard to be accepted by God. And that kind of attitude or position produces pride in yourself. Your hand has done this for you. In Luke chapter 16, verse 14, the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. They were very proud. They couldn't teach them because they were self-sufficient. They derided him, and he said unto them, you are there could justify yourselves. See, you justify yourselves 
that you are righteous before God, you are good before God. Because they think, you know, the law, like Paul said, they keep it without fail. So they think that they are righteous before God because of the law. Uh, so you, I did quit justify yourself before me. But God knew you to your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. So they even rejected John the Baptist, this proud people. They, they would not listen to Jesus. They didn't even listen to John the Baptist. They derided John the Baptist too. That's what self-righteousness does. It's a product of pride. pride. So in Luke chapter 7, verse 30, but the Pharisees and experts in religion, religious law rejected God's plan for them. For they had refused John's baptism. They, they say, who is John? Who is, what is he talking about? Jesus came, they say, what are you talking about? John the Baptist, what are you talking about? Then Jesus asked them a question in Luke chapter 20, verse 4. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we save from heaven, he will, he will say, why then believe you in him not? <laughs> Pride spilled into not being teachable. I mean, if you are self-sufficient, why do you need somebody to come and be teaching you? But this is the danger of, of self-exaltation. And one major reason is that they are ignorant of it. I was a Christian for many years. I never heard anybody talk about this gift of righteousness. Never. It wasn't even mentioned. It wasn't even taught. Nobody mentioned it. I'm talking of years and upon years and upon years. I never even had it being discussed anywhere. Yet it's the first thing you get when you come to Christ that you receive this gift of righteousness. You receive life. Nobody told me what I received. Nobody. So many are ignorant of it. And when you're ignorant of it, you reject it. Now you reject I mean, what you don't know, what else are you going to do? You stick to the only one you know, which is righteousness of works. Romans 10 from verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. I had that same experience. I would do evangelism house to house. Anything me, I would do anything. But I was never told you are righteous before God. So I was working hard to be accepted by God. Working hard. I'm having headaches. My wife, the same thing. We're in the same boat. Actually, we're told we're not sanctified. So we're told we're not really righteous. That we're not. We have, we have uh, Adamic nature. So we have to pray so that uh, it will be taken away. And Colossians, I think, chapter 2, verse 11 says that when you come to Christ, you are circumcised with circumcision not made with hand, in taking away the body of sin. Nobody taught me that. So how can somebody who has been told you are not sanctified, how can I, how can I feel comfortable to come before God? Where would the basis of faith be? So all my hard work was so that God would accept me. That we were a lot of us like that. We never heard that you are accepted 
because of the blood. No. Who are told you are not righteous? You are not. You were not sanctified. So in our own understanding, we were not acceptable to God. So what do you think we'll be doing? Work very hard, work some more, pray some more. <laughs> Paul said, these people are zealous. Good heart. I mean, people teaching these things are good people. I mean, they have good intentions. I mean, they're teaching what they know. They didn't know this other one. They never mentioned it. If they knew, they would teach it. So these people are wonderful people, I'm telling you. They are very wonderful, very committed to God. I mean, just walking in the best they knew. I'm not knocking anybody. I don't even know everything myself. But that's my personal experience. I don't know what your personal experience is like. That's my personal experience. So I can identify when Paul said that they have zeal, but misdirected zeal. In verse 3, what was the zeal for? For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. They don't understand it. So he was ignorant. Good heart. But wrong information. So refusing now to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of putting, getting right with God by trying to keep the law. I did it. Personal experience. Oh, my God, I did it. My focus was on sin. Did I commit sin? Headache. Oh, my God, anything, I judge it. Ah, God, forgive me. I don't know how many times we ask for forgiveness. And yet, you you are not sure. I passed through that. Because I was told I was not sanctified. How can an unsanctified person? I didn't know how to. So I was praying God sanctify me. I couldn't ask God for anything. I had to ask God to reveal it to my pastor, who we are told is sanctified, one of the few, because I couldn't trust God to answer my prayer. This is the truth. My wife and I will know that and ask God, reveal it to our pastor so he will pray for us because we, we believe he was he qualified. We didn't. You see where he placed us? And I'm talking of months upon months upon months. Ignorant. So they were ignorant of this gift of acceptance based on what Christ has done. So they didn't accept that as true. A lot of well-meaning people, sincere Christians, wonderful men of God, I respect them because they are serving Jesus too. They are doing their best. And reaching people, reaching people, helping people. And we honor them. Thank God for their lives. But this is the truth. This is the truth here. They don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's will, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ now, has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. And as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. You just believe in Jesus, you are made right with God. So you don't have to work for it. It's a scripture. Let's read uh, this scripture in King James Version. Romans 10 verse 2, from verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. 
for they, they being ignorant of God's righteousness. You know how many Christians are ignorant of God's righteousness? Many churches don't mention it. They don't teach it. From the highest, to, no, they don't mention it. I'm talking about millions of people. But so for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Once you believe, the law says this to be a route of righteousness. That faith in Christ is the new route to be accepted by God. Now here they come before God because they don't understand that the way you receive righteousness is to believe in Christ because they don't understand the gospel themselves. I keep saying it. Many people who go to church are not saved. Wesley, John Wesley said that the first time when he understood the gospel. He said some, some preachers took him and taught him the deeper things of God. That was when he understood the gospel. He came up with the idea that many people are not really saved. See, they are giving mental accent to the gospel. They don't understand it. They don't understand it. How can somebody who is a Christian who understands the gospel be calling on the God of somebody else? He doesn't know what the gospel is saying. When the gospel has restored him to sonship rights, and Jesus said, this is your, my father, your father, and my God, and your God. And they come to church and sing, you are my God, you are my God. You think they know what they're singing. Turn around, and when they need divine attention, they say to God, it is through this person you do miracles, not you can't answer me. That's the, the, it is that person. They don't know the gospel. They don't. The ears are blocked. Sit in church, you don't hear nothing. So here they are in church, going to pray, pray in Luke chapter 18, 9. Let's go to church and see this our brother praying. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And despised others. The two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Remember the Pharisees? They rejected Christ, they rejected John the Baptist, because they counted themselves as righteous. They were going to God based on the credit of their performance. So they said, well, okay, what's John going to teach us? Well, okay. Law perfect in it. What's John going to teach us? Who is this new person? So now they went to God. And they said that they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. That is exhorting himself. God, calling God like his classmate, God. I thank you that I'm not like other men. Let me give you my credentials. He said, uh, he says, uh, I'm not like the other men. They are extortioners. 
they are unjust, they are adulterous, or even this tax collector who just joined this church. I heard about him before he came. It's not good enough. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So his, his basis of coming to God to be accepted is what he has performed. That's what is called self-righteousness. It's a dangerous thing. It's very dangerous thing. Why? Because they don't know that there is the gift of righteousness that comes by faith only. They don't know. The Bible says they are ignorant of it. So they cling to this one. Verse 13, when the task collector standing afar off would not so much as to raise his eyes to heaven, but boast, beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now let's hear Jesus, the Lord himself, tell us about this situation. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. The one that came, depending on grace and mercy, was justified. Why? It is that the Lord's mercy were not concerned. God will not deny you mercy. The Bible says that God delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. He shows mercy. He loves being merciful. So he appealed to the mercy of God and said, God, I have no righteousness of my own. God said, I know it. You are not telling me something new. So I, I, I will accept you since you trust my mercy. On grounds of mercy, I will accept you. <clears throat> Jesus said he went to him justified. Now let's hear Jesus tell us about the Pharisee. He says, uh, rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Which means this person exalted himself <laughs> by giving his resume before God. He exalted himself. But this other person came with nothing and lifted God and said, Lord, your mercy. And God said, sure. And then never take credit for anything the Lord is doing in your life. You know what the Pharisees forgot? That all that they are, all that they are keeping the law couldn't give them the blessing of God. They forgot that. That the thing that brought them the blessing was the animal sacrifice. If the high priest didn't do it, Israel was out of divine favor. The high priest had to go and do it. For one year, they enjoyed God's blessing. Moses had to do it. So it wasn't, it wasn't all they are keeping the law that gave them the blessings of God. It was the animal sacrifice. When Adam and Eve sinned, they thought they could cover their sin and produce something to protect them. God went and did for the first time to reveal to mankind that blood is the answer to your sin. And God brought, brought an animal, killed an animal, covered it. So those Pharisees who were, who were proud of their righteousness and their obeying the law to the letter and all that kind of stuff, 
they have forgotten something. If the high priest didn't go and offer that sacrifice, no blessing is coming to them. And number two, as, as holy as they thought they were, they couldn't enter the Holy of Holies. If they did, they would die. They couldn't. None of them could enter it. They didn't have access to God. Only the high priest would come after sacrificing for himself. You see, they didn't understand <laughs> that none is holy except God. And a man has sinned, falling short of the glory of God. They didn't understand that. That's why Paul said they don't know the righteousness of God. They don't know. If they knew, they would have simply depended on the mercy of God and said, God, it's your mercy we enter that temple. Can't even enter the Holy of Holies. And to us, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood, not with the law. The law never purified anything. It's the blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So if the blood wasn't shed, and, and Jesus said something, he said, God knows your heart, <laughs> that you are evil people. You know, he later on told them, he said, you are a bunch of hypocrites. He said, you appear before men to be righteous, but inside you are dead men's bones. But to them, like Paul, Paul said, concerning the law, perfect. And they were always challenging Jesus, saying, what is this you're talking about? What else shall we do to have this eternal life? Jesus said, the law, how do you read it? He said, oh, I did that, I did that. And God said, okay, fine. How about selling what you have? That ended the conversation right Because that heart was wicked. That heart was wicked. Love thy neighbor thyself. Couldn't do that. Jesus said, God knows your heart. You are pretending to be good. Your self-righteousness can't bring you before God. And so Paul, being one of them, came to, when he understood this truth, he made a clean break with this practice of the Pharisees, which many are still practicing today. Like I said, it's unfortunate that many people have never heard of this gift of righteousness. They don't know about it. It's not preached in their churches. It's not taught in their Sunday schools. Like I didn't hear about it for years as a Christian. Even as a leader, a leader up there didn't know about this thing. So Paul in Philippians 3.2 made a clean break. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. You know, he's not talking about these people who say you can't be saved only by trusting in Christ. You have to be circumcised. <clears throat> do you know we have such people today? Oh, they don't put, put circumcision, but they say you must stop this, you must stop that, you must stop this. They give conditions, conditions, before you are saved. Different versions of the so-called gospel. Paul called them evil. Verse 3. For we who worship by the Spirit of God 
are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Because when we came to Christ, we received circumcision of the, of the spirit. Not done with hand. Paul said that's the real circumcision. When we came to Christ. So we depend on what Christ has done. He circumcised us. Not the physical. We put our confidence, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, instead, if others have reason for confidence in their own effort, I have even more. Verse 5. He began to enumerate what the Pharisees trusted in which he too trusted in at the time. He said in verse 5, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as far and as for righteousness, the way I sought righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. That's how I sought it. But he had forgot that he couldn't enter the Holy of Holies. <laughs> he forgot that. And the reason he couldn't enter is because that obeying the law could not bring him to God. None. And sometimes we forget too. So he said in verse um, 6, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. Like many people still struggle today. But now I consider them worthless. Why? Because of what Christ has done. His blood. It is his blood places me of all unrighteousness and makes me righteous. His blood. Without the shedding of blood, we can't near God. There won't be forgiveness of sin. So Paul found out. He said in verse 7, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ, so that I can have access to Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. Close, closed. That's it. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And so when we come to Christ, first thing the gospel really offers us is forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin and the gift of righteousness. Once you come to Christ, that's the first thing the gospel 
of virtue. So there's no question as a Christian as to am I, am I righteous because it was offered to you the very day you came to Christ. So how can you leave what was offered to you and trying something that doesn't work? Second Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. To him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. <laughs> this needs to be read ten times. No longer. You tell somebody, confess all your sins. What's he confessing it for? The scripture says God is no more counting it. Why? The blood was shed for him. The payment has been made in full. What's he counting it for? What God is not counting? How many will he remember? You, you can see where, where people have faulty foundation. And, and, and the, the thing follows them through for years. Because they think it is what they did that brought them salvation. So it's difficult to talk them out of that and say, no, salvation was given to you free. Not because of what you said. So the struggle with sense of righteousness now. That's what I'm talking about. They told me to confess my sins. So now I'm accepted to God because I don't commit sin. I don't do this. And it's a lie because it does commit sin. But that's what it thinks is the basis of it all. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Jesus Christ, the propitiation of our sins, not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. I said it yesterday. The greatest tragedy is that somebody will go to hell when the price was paid for his sins. Nobody told him. Jesus didn't die for only those in church. He died for the whole world. And therefore, God is no more counting their sins because he paid the price for their sins. But people go to hell because nobody told them. It's like somebody paid for you a shop, right? And you are doing without because nobody told you. That's why it's important to preach the true gospel. No longer counting people's sin against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What is that message? So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for your sin, for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Offering them acceptance. Come back to God. Come. He will accept you. Why? God has made his son to be a sin sacrifice for our sins. He paid for your sin. Come. Just come, <laughs> come, don't run away. Come and accept what God is offering you. 
come and put your faith in Christ. He already did for you. Believe what he did for you. Come. Come. That's the gospel. Period. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. The gospel. For God has made him to be a sin sacrifice for us, paid for your sin. Come. This reconciliation is paid for. Come. Come on. Just accept what God is offering. Just as I say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that he paid for your sins. Come. Come. Come on. God is, is even pleading with you. Come. God is pleading. Come. Come now. I paid for it. Don't worry. It's gone. Come. The blood washes it. Away. Come. And many Christians will stop them from coming. I'm saying no. You have to stop this first. Stop that first. Stop that first. You have to confess your sins first. Don't come yet. Come for where? No, no. You don't come yet to. Hmm? How? No. Were you born near water? Where were you born? Second Corinthians 5.20, repeat it. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal. Come on, man. God is appealing. Don't stop them. God is saying, come. Through us. If God is speaking to you, then you should be making the same appeal. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God, why should you come back? Nothing, God is forgiving you. Come. For God be Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. So we are accepted by God. Now come. All these things that Christ was doing, that God was in Christ reconciling, doing everything to complete the reconciliation. Come and accept Christ. What he did for you. That's it. You will never read the New Testament and see where any writer or any scripture puts any impediment before anybody about accepting salvation. None. You will never see anything like that. You ask yourself, why is coming? Where is it coming from? It's the wrong foundation we all we people had at the beginning because they were told that your salvation is based on what you do. So if you don't confess yourself, you have to. And then stop stealing and stop doing stuff before you can now be saved. People preach that. Now, if I can stop all of that, why do I need to come? <laughs> I've already saved. We come because we are without strength. We can't save ourselves. Why you were without strength? Christ died for you. We don't have strength. We don't have nothing. We don't, we're in darkness. don't even know what we're doing. 21. I mean, 20, um, chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. And God's partners, as God's partners, 
We are partners with God. We're preaching this gospel. We beg you. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of, not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. We are begging. Don't ignore it. It's for you. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you on the door of salvation. I helped you. Past tense. I've helped you already. I've sent you help. I've sent you the Savior. He died for your sin. I've helped you out of your sin. I've offered you salvation. I've offered you everything, freedom. I helped you already. The help has been given. And he says, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of your salvation, not tomorrow. I've, I've offered you the help. Take it. Beg him, plead him. Romans 2 from verse 21 says, but now, independently of the law, the righteousness of God is tangible and brought to light through Jesus, the anointed one. This is the righteousness that the scripture prophesied will come. It is God's righteousness made visible through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And now, all who believe in him, all who believe in him, Receive that gift. For there is really no difference between us. For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Yet, through this powerful declaration of acquittal, acquittal justified, God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us. All because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, from the punishment, and from the power of sin. When he went to the cross, when he shed his blood, he set us free. So he's saying, don't receive this gift and neglect it. What gift is he talking about? That gift is the offer of righteousness. God wants you to come to him. Come, you accept it. Second Corinthians 5-1. In King James Version says, For he made him who knew no sin to be seen for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He made him not going to make. And it's not what I did and what you did that makes you righteous. It is what Christ did. He became sin. He took my place, and he was smitten for me. He pleased God to smite him. The Bible says he bore the penalty of my sin with his life, with his blood. And God said, come. Guilty? No. Somebody took that punishment. Come. You are free. Acquitter. Come. So you see, the wrong gospel puts impediment before people. And they're not understanding this gift of righteousness can affect the type of gospel we preach and present to people. Instead of the gospel of grace, where God is offering us these gifts freely and not demanding works from us. Why? 
By our works, we will never have it. It's through the blood. The blood that was shed, so our sins are forgiven. The Old Testament saints forgot that that blood, animal blood, covered their sins and they were able to enjoy the blessing. Not because they, according to them, they fulfilled all the law. But when Paul found out, he said, yeah, that's true. That this doesn't work. Take it away from me. I want to depend on what Christ has done. That's it. You know, we sing a lot of songs we don't really believe in. Walk and wash away my sin. Nothing but that. We sing it and, ooh. <laughs> so instead of gospel of grace, likely to preach this strange gospel based on works. And it's the popular one, the one based on works. Like I said, stop this, stop that, stop that. How can I stop it? It's nature is evil. How can I stop it? By nature, it's, it's, rat, it's, it's a child of wrath. What's it can stop it? I heard about one preacher, I've forgotten his name, but one of these popular preachers. <clears throat> that one woman came to me and said, look, I want to be a Christian, but my problem is I can't stop partying. I party and he said, that's my problem. I you know that's why many people don't go to church because people have told them they have to stop those things. So they say, ah, nah, how can I go? <laughs> I have too much sin. Somebody actually told me that. He said, he said Pastor, I have so much sin. <laughs> I cannot come to church. I said, well, I, you're not, I'm not better than you. I say, you come to church. That's where sinners go. <laughs> come, me. I'm not better than you. I say, I went with my sin and they received forgiveness. So you come and got forgiveness and enjoy your relationship with God. It was difficult to convince him. Because he said, no, I have to make myself good first. Because that's what people, and he told me that that was what he was told in their church. He stopped going. That's what they were telling him. So this preacher, the woman said, I, I need to, you know, it's a, a party and uh, all those things. He said, so I can't, I can't be saved. The, woman, the, the preacher told her and said, you don't have to stop anything. Just come and receive Christ. That's all. So she came, <laughs> gave her life to Christ. And three weeks after, he went back to the same preacher. He said, you know what? He said, I don't even have desire to go to that party again. He said, that's what salvation does. You'll be saved from it. Before you were bondage to that thing, Christ set you free. If the sun shall set you free, you're free indeed. Say, that's what salvation does. A new nature has come. You don't have desire. The natural nature, the natural body we have, it's natural for you to do things naturally. The spirit man is also natural for it to do things that is God's. The spirit man doesn't need effort because by nature, it has the nature of God. Just like you don't have, you don't need effort to see. You don't need effort to tell her. By nature, this flesh will tell her normally. You tell her, get angry. You don't need effort. The same way you don't need effort for your spirit to act like God. All you need to do is to know what you believe. 
You, you side up with the spirit and believe the truth and the, the, the truth that the gospel teaches. It works. Because faith activates it. But you don't believe that. You believe your flesh. Your flesh is like it works for you. So I be to you according to what you believe. It's just as simple as that. It doesn't need effort. Galatia 1.3. Grace to be. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. What Jesus did. According to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, I marvel that you so soon removed, that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. We are called to the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. He went to the cross for me, a sinner. Grace, unmerited. We are called to the grace of Christ. So if that gospel is not about the grace of Christ, it's the wrong one. Because he gave himself to deliver us from this present evil world. I just shared that testimony about that woman. That's her experience. Because somebody taught her the true gospel. You know why Paul said, he said, he said, uh, he said I don't preach the gospel with a human oratory. Unless I make it of no effect. As simple as it is, if it is preached truly, as simple as it is, that's the power of God. And that woman experienced it. She had a transition. When I got saved, I didn't have desire to smoke or drink. I didn't have any desire anymore. Nobody told me not. The desire was dead. Completely dead. And I went to the church where we used to go, where I was a member of the committee and all that. Nobody told me to leave there. Because immediately I got there, it was like dead. I mean, before it was where I used to now. I was born in it. But when we went in there, because we went back, I said, okay, let's go. It's our family, you know, let's go. And we went in there. Nobody told me anything. It's like I walked into a dead atmosphere. The place was totally cold and dead. I looked at my wife, she looked at me, we just <laughs> walked away. Immediately we walked away, joy filled our heart. And we went back to where we had that gospel. Immediately we entered there, it was like, woo, big joy, woo, something in us bubbled up. <laughs> and that's the song we sang the day we got saved. Nobody taught me that song. I think I had it, I don't know. Together, both of us started to sing, I've seen the light. The light of God. I've seen the light, oh, hallelujah, amen. Jesus is the light, the light of God. I've seen the light, oh, hallelujah, amen. We started singing it together. Together. Genuine salvation produces results. So the true gospel is about the gifts of God to unmeriting people. The gift of righteousness, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of new life. 
the gift of all the blessings of heaven, our joint heir with Christ, access to God, gift. Whatever God is doing is based on that, is based on this foundation of Christ. You can't take credit for it. So these people who don't believe it, don't know it, they're struggling with grace. Now let me ask you a question. If you are saved by grace, you are delivered by grace. How can you ever think that grace will promote sin? The thing that delivered you, the thing that saved you. How can you ever cross your mind that the same thing, the grace of our Lord Jesus will promote sin? How can you ever think about it? The reason people think so is that they don't understand the gospel. Paul said, I discarded all those things. I don't want the righteousness that comes from men. I want the one that Jesus comes. So it draws me to him. He, he understood the gospel. That this work of grace brings me to Christ. So I can gain Christ. So I can enjoy everything he did for me. He never crossed his mind that this causes him. Go and tell that woman that, that, that grace causes him. Hear what she would tell you. She would share her testimony to you and say, no, you're wrong. Actually, that grace brought me salvation and saved me. It's because people preach wrong doctrine, wrong gospel. And people hear that, imbibe that, so they don't know what the grace is all about. They don't understand it. And they grew on that foundation. Many people have grown on that foundation for years. And it's difficult for them to understand the things of God because actually they are not really saved. Can't be saved by works. You're saved only by grace. So let's review this righteousness that we've been talking about. Because from next week, we're going to start Living World Conference. I'm going to focus on healing. By the grace of God, I'm going to focus on healing. That's one of the things we received. And from there after that, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is part of the benefit of salvation. And then the Spirit of God, that what he's doing in our lives, we know. And then go through again and let the church know what the gifts of the Spirit are, the fruits of the Spirit are. So to cement this important truth about the, these days of the Lord our righteousness, that Jehovah seeking new. Number one, we are born again means we are created new with a new nature. And that nature is holy and righteous. First of all, Exodus, Ephesians 4.24. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So by nature, God has created us holy. And so you don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. You don't look at your flesh to define you. God doesn't define us by our flesh. He defines us by our spirit. When you say you are a new creature, it's talking about our spirit. God doesn't define us by our flesh. He defines us by our spirit. And the word of God is spirit. So Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can now do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see that woman started doing the good things that God planned for her long ago. When she came to Christ, received that new nature, that new nature started manifesting. He said, I don't have the desire. The desire is gone. Yep. It's the power of the spirit that destroys sin in your life. That's why Jesus came. 
to deal with sin in the flesh. Because the law couldn't deal with it. So what the law couldn't do, God sent Jesus to do. And that woman experienced it right away. Colossians 2.11, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hand, in putting up the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He took it off and gave us a sinless spirit. So we were created righteous. And you have to believe the testimony of the Holy Spirit for it to work for you. You have to believe that. For what you don't believe will not work for you. And we're made righteous by the sacrifice of Calvary. The only sacrifice that can make man truly clean and sinless. God said the Old Testament was full of fault. It, could, why it, made no, it, made, it couldn't make man perfect. The, the blood of a animal could not wash away man's sin. And they didn't give man the power and the strength to live this new life. He left man totally miserable. He told him what sin is and left him like that. God said, I found fault with this thing. It's not going to help anybody. He said, they couldn't keep my covenant. And I could not. I have, to dis- I have to distance from them. They couldn't. They couldn't. Because there is not, there is not the perfect sacrifice to make them acceptable hasn't been shed. So he said, I couldn't keep. They couldn't, because they couldn't keep it, this covenant couldn't work. So I'm going to make the one now that I will forgive their sins and I will not remember it again. That is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Because why should you not, why will he not remember it? Because the blood will wash away your sin, obliterate it out of existence. So there's nothing for God to remember. Hebrew 10, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. You know what the law is? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, if you walk in love, you fulfill the law. It's the new nature we have, the nature of love. God is love. 17, then he asks, their sins, see what I'm saying? And their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. It doesn't exist. Once the blood washes you, it washes you of all unrighteousness, cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin, not required, because that offering is enough for eternity. Therefore, brethren, having boldness now to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, Remember the Old Testament? The, those Pharisees couldn't enter. They couldn't enter. <laughs> if they did, they are dead. But the Bible says because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter the holiest all of us now. Why? Because the righteousness is given to us, we accept it. Because of that blood. If that blood was not shed, you are not entering. No. You will stay up. And the, the, the one high priest wants a year will enter. But the day this blood was shed, that curtain was ripped into two. You don't need it anymore. And then the presence of God moved up and moved into you. You became the temple of God. Can you imagine that God? Do you think God is living in a dirty temple? No. He purified us with his blood and made us holy. So it would be a place of habitation for him. 
So now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. None. No more required. That offering, once and for all, keeps us free. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. This is the new and living way through the blood of Jesus. God consecrated, set it apart for us, that we approach him because of the blood. Through the veil, that is his flesh, which he gave on the cross. 21, and having a high priest over the house of God, because Jesus is ministering right now before God with his blood on our behalf. And that blood is pleading for mercy upon us. That's why Jesus shortens the New Testament, shortens the promises and blessings of God. Guarantees it. Let us draw nigh with true heart in full assurance of faith, because we are accepted. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience that won't accept it. Their bodies washed with pure water. He said, this, this, you know, in the Old Testament, they have to wash. You know, he said, this thing have washings of this. He said, this sacrifice covers the washing of with pure water and everything. You don't have to wash anything anymore. Isaiah 53, 10. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him, cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants that's like us. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in son. The Lord's good plan prosper in son. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of this experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. He bore our sins, that's why we are righteous. Not by your, the law or whatever you do. Because he bore our sins. That's why we are righteous. That's why he said, tell people to come. I've borne their sins. Let them come. Come. Just accept what I've done for you. Accept me as your savior now. I did it for you. Just come. And you know, that's why we pray in Jesus' name. I was saying it on Sunday. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. John 16, 23. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. In my name. Why? You don't have name recognition before God. Nobody does. You can't go in your name. The Pharisee went to his name and got into trouble. You can't go in your name because you don't have name recognition before God at all. You go in the name of Jesus. And God said, yeah, because of your faith in him, I can't do righteous. Come. These things have I spoken unto you, verse 25. No, 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 verse, verse 24. He that do have you asked nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive that your joy 
may be full. There's nothing as joyful as seeing your prayer answered. It gives you joy, man. It gives you excitement. It refires your faith. Jesus said, yeah, God wants to answer it. But you go with faith in me. Like Abraham, faith in the word was counted as righteousness for him. So you go with faith in me. You trust in what I did for you. Not evil, evil, evil heart of unbelief. You go with faith in me, and then God will answer your prayer. If you ask according to his will, he will do it. The question is, if Jesus comes to you, you know, my mentor said something. He was telling somebody how that God has really healed us in Christ. The person was looking at him. He said, I'm telling you, you've been healed. So he said, supposing Jesus comes and stands before you now. He said, what will you do? He said, oh, I'll be excited. He said, supposing now he stands and tells you I've healed you. He said, what will you do? He said, I will, I will jump up and go. He said, so what's the difference? He wrote it in the Bible. He came to tell you the same thing. The man jumped up and got healed. Immediately got up. He said, well, that's true. He got up. Right there. No prayer, nothing. He jumped up. The problem he has blockade in his mind. He didn't believe that thing before. He didn't believe it at all. Just like we give mental accent to the gospel. We sing about it, talk about it. When it comes to action, we are calling somebody's God. God of so superstitious. I haven't seen anything so crazy like that. I really thank God for these young, young people because they, they encourage you a lot. They, really, they, they, they will never do stuff like that. These younger people understand these things so well. Verse 25, these things have I spoken to you in Proverbs. In the time coming when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plenty of the Father, plainly of the Father. And at that day you shall ask of him, you shall ask in my name. He repeats that. I say not unto you that you will, that I will pray for you, to the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you. Because you have loved me, I have believed that I came out from the God. John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and, bear fruit, and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 14, 16. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Because nobody has recognition before God. Nobody can come to the Father and say, Ah, oh, see what I've done. I've achieved this. I've achieved that. No one can. No one can. We don't have self-recognition before God. At all. It's our faith in Christ that gives us that righteous acceptance by God. It's Ephesians 2.18. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So our faith in Christ gives us that privilege of being counted righteous. Romans 3, verse 19 to 28, depends on how much time I have here left. Romans 3, 19 to 28. Now we realize that everything the Lord says 
is addressed to those who are under its authority. This is for two reasons. So that every excuse will be silenced with no boasting of innocence so that the entire world will be held accountable to God's standards. For by the merit of observing the law, no one earns the status of being declared righteous before God. For it is the law that fully exposes and unmasks the reality of sin. But now, independently of the law, the righteousness of God is tangible and brought to light through Jesus, the anointed one. This is the righteousness that the scriptures prophesied will come. It is God's righteousness made visible through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And now, all who believe in him receive that gift. That's why Jesus said, you, you go in my name. You believe in me, God accepts you. Your faith is counted for you for righteousness. You can come. For there is really no difference between us. For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. Let me move further to, because of my time, to, verse, uh, to Romans chapter 4 from verse 1. Let me use Abraham as an example. It is clear that humanly speaking, he was the founder of Judaism. What was his experience of being made right with God? Was it by the good works of keeping the law? No. For it was by the things he, for if it was by the things he did, he would have something to boast about. But no one boasts before God. No one. Listen to what the scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's word, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. When people walk the earn wages, it can be considered a free gift because they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. Even King David himself speaks to, to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. Apart from our works, God, God's work is enough. Apart from our work, God's work is enough. Here is what David says. What happy fulfillment is hard for those whose rebellion has been forgiven whose sins are covered by blood. What happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them, I will never hold your sins against you. Now think about it. Does this happiness, happiness come only to the Jews or is it available to all who believe? Our answer is this. Faith was credited to Abraham as God's righteousness. How did he receive this gift of righteousness? Was he circumcised at the time God accepted him, or was he still uncircumcised? Clearly, he was an uncircumcised Gentile when God said this to him. It was later that he received the external sign of circumcision as a seal to confirm that God had already 
transferred his righteousness to him by faith. Not because he got circumcised, because God told him this thing before he got circumcised. So while he was still uncircumcised, so now this qualifies him to become the father of all who believe among the non-Jewish people. And like their father Abraham, their father, their, their father of faith, Abraham, God also transfers his righteousness to them by faith. Yes, Abraham is obviously the true father of faith for the Jewish people who are not only circumcised, but who walk in the way of faith that our father Abraham displayed before his circumcision. So we need to really be grounded in this because the devil will always, 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 always ferociously attack your sense of righteousness. And if it is compromised, believe you me, your faith is gone. It's gone. And the day you reject the righteousness of grace, pride will take over your life. Pray that the Lord will help us to walk in the true righteousness and preach it as the gospel message to the world. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for what you've shared with us, the true gospel. The true gospel is that you're offering righteousness to the world if they believe in your son. You're telling them to come. They should come to you. For you've made your son to be seen for all of us. They are now accepted. If only they will accept him. We that have accepted him, Father, shouldn't we really be grounded in this faith and walk in it and enjoy all the benefits of it? I pray, Lord, that will help us to fight the fight of faith. Because the enemy will lay us on these grounds to dislocate us from believing that Christ paid it all for us. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.